Today's guest, Aisha Adams, is a social media influencer with a heart for community and economic development. Her platforms serve as resources to thinkers and leaders as they navigate their positions within their own communities. Aisha is the author of The Courage Principle, an interactive ebook that challenges thought leaders to use courage as a proposition so that it becomes the key ingredient in their leadership ethos. Aisha has a BA in English with a concentration in creative writing and a master's in post-secondary and adult education. Aisha writes and lives courageously and can be found along with her blog, Nappy Thoughts, and her organization, Equity Over Everything, at AishaAdams.com, A-I-S-H-A-Adams.com. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. All right, I'm here with my friend Aisha Adams. Hello, Aisha. Hi, Sarah. How are you? So good. So good to be here with you. Same. Yeah. So we're going to talk about courage today and the courage to be who we are as women in the world. And um, yeah, it's it. I welcome you to share anything you want to share today. I have a couple of questions, and we'll just we'll just dive in. Cool. I'm excited about it. All right. So you are such a leader, a thought leader. Um, and you know, and I see you as a courageous person. I'm wondering if you want to talk about your work in the world to open up a little bit, you know, you have this equity over everything work you're writing about the courage principle right now. Just tell us a little bit about like you and what you're passionate about. I am a mother of a wife, (laughs) (laughs) a business owner, a writer. Um, I think for me, my work, all of my work is about courage. It was like the one piece that I felt connected all my parts together, all the different things I do. I do so many things, wear so many hats, but I feel like it's been courage that has led me to be able to stand on my work. Um, I think a lot of women are doing great work in the world, but aren't necessarily courageous enough to take the credit or are courageous enough to take the next step in up-leveling. And so I've been operating within fear um, because you can't have courage without fear. And so really courage is operating within fear. Um, so I've been operating with fear as a it, within fear as a woman, as an African-American woman, um, my entire life. 
So, <laughs> so everything has been about being courageous in the moment from birthing a child as a single mom to like leaving my home as a single mom and moving to a different city with my son with like no financial support or emotional support. So like, I feel like everything I've done has been sort of operating from a place of fear. Thank you. Yeah. I love how we're just diving right in. We're like going for the real. That is exactly love it. Like I love it. So, yeah, so let's talk about the, um, would you, did you always know you were in fear? Like, was there this consciousness of I'm in fear and I have to choose courage? No. Um, I think my drive to stand in courage, like I've always come across as a very confident person. People will be like, oh, I sure you're so confident. I'm sure you don't have that problem. And I'm like, I totally have that problem. Yeah. Um, I think it was in my maturing that I began to understand that it has been courage that has pushed me along all the way. So I've just been trying to survive, right? Like just trying not to drown in my own voice and my own words and my own successes and failures. Yeah. Um, And I think it took me really like maturing and understanding my own process and my own life patterns to begin to understand that, oh, so what I'm actually doing is operating on courage because you can't have courage if there's no fear involved. Right. And so I'm always just living courageously because I'm mostly scared as hell, like about everything. Thank you. That's so, it's so courageous to admit that. Okay. I just want to like slow way down and break this down because it's so common as women, especially women who are trying, like we know we're trying to do big things and it's still, we, we try to cover up that fear a lot of the time. Right. Like, I got this, or it's not that hard, or, oh my God, this one, I don't need anybody anyway. Right. You know? Well, you know, I grew up in an era where your your elders would say, like, never let them see you sweat. So yeah. we grew up believing that a woman was supposed to always be well put together, um, never anxious, always perfect timing, perfect vision, and perfect intuition. So. um we grew up feeling like that's what a woman is supposed to look like. And so meanwhile, everybody's sweating in their girdles. Everything's too tight to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> We're scared as hell. <laughs> everybody's scared. Yeah. And so it's like, when do we let all of that go and really go for what it is that we want? And so I've been just really lucky. Um, I think my marriage had a lot to do with me beginning to understand that it's okay to be courageous and that fear is a part of the process. So fear, fear and failure and changing my relationship with those two things really pushed me to the next level. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned like being a single mom at your son's birth. I was also just reading your blog at nappy thoughts. It's amazing. Let's go back to that. And so you were a single mom at your son's birth. And then you said you just learned more about courage in your marriage. So how long have you been married now? I've been married seven years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's interesting when you have someone on the outside looking in. And so my husband's very practical. He is um, very much into patterns. And so 
even today, I released the blog post for the first time in conjunction with this podcast that details out the fear and pain from being a single mom. And I've never shared that story with anyone before ever. Um, And so the courage to share that was a big deal for me. And so I looked at him and I'm like, oh my God, like, what do you think people are going to say? And he's like, you always freak out before you put out something. And so then he kind of, kind of downplays the fear and it's like putting it into perspective. Like a part of your process is this fear, is this self-doubt. This is the negative talk that's in your head. And because he's so literal and like so not sensitive to that, mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit more practical to deal with. And it's so, like something to lean on. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. So you're talking about, are you talking about the blog post like Felicia? Yeah. That just came out? Yes. I was mesmerized by that this morning as I was reading it. And can you say your website for us so that people can find that? Yeah, it's um, nappythoughts.com. And this particular blog post that we're talking about is on the creative tab. So you'd have to go to the creative tab to find it. Okay. So yeah, when I read that, and you're a blogger with thousands of followers, like tens of thousands of followers, right? Yeah. For a while? Yeah. Okay. So you've been courageous in, in the content of your blog all along. Was it like, was it a matter of courage as you were writing all along or was it, was it necessity? Was it the work in the world? Like, where did that come from? Cause I project that there's a lot of courage inside of what you have been doing and writing about on that blog. Yeah. And I've dealt with it in layers. And so like when you go to the social justice piece and you're reading about other people's stories, you know, it's one thing it's, it's scary too. Like there are some times like when I was writing stories for like Janice Green and what happened to her, I'm like, do I want to be caught driving in Alabama? Right. Cause yeah. when you call out the entities and powers and people in power, by talking about other people's stories, that's really scary. Um, I've had to go to counseling for some of that. I've worked with like um, the evolving artists to talk about my place in the world and like the work that I do of lifting other people's voices in spaces where they can't necessarily lift their own voices. So for example, Felicia Blakely, the Felicia Blakely story that is on the blog is an introspective look at the serial murders that she did. It's a conversation with both her pimp and her accomplice. And so although this story, you know, it made it to TV one, it like went viral on my blog. I think I was the first person to ever actually get the pimp's perspective, which took courage, right? Like it takes courage to reach out to someone who's a pimp and say, Hey, I want to tell your story. Um, It takes courage to reach out to someone who has been convicted of triple murder and say, Hey, I want to build a relationship with you. and want to tell people your story. So that's a dip. That's one type of courage. I think the like Felicia story, um, it basically explains why her story was important to me. This is your blog. It's called like Felicia. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I had two blocks. The first one is the Felicia Blakely story. Where I actually okay. Detail out like, this is what she tells what happens. You the hear interview. from her pimp. Okay. You hear from her accomplice, right? You go right and, for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like 
this follow-up, so that I wrote that story maybe two years ago. Okay. It took me a year to write this blog post that I wrote, the one you read, because wow. first of all, I was talking about my son's father, which has been a no-go for me because my son just turned 18. So I didn't feel comfortable discussing that relationship with his father in an open platform. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Were you waiting for his permission, your son's permission? Not necessarily waiting for his permission, mm-hmm. but I was waiting for his, I was waiting for the right time yeah. to even express to him my hurt and pain. Oh, right. He didn't know that yet. Yeah. He knows like, oh, I don't know my father. I've never seen him before. But he's had a great life full of love and laughter and confidence and fun and like no tears. Like one of the reasons I made some of the choices I made was like, I didn't want my son to see me fighting with the other half of him. Yeah. And so like, he's never seen us argue or he's never even heard me say a negative word about his father. And so to detail out the story and to say, hey, like this guy didn't want you, that was going to take some preparation. Right. Because it's real, like to say, like, and he did not care if we lived or died in that process of you being born was something that I had to say to him before I could say it to the rest of the world. Thank you. Yeah, for for sure. Oh, my gosh, I felt that. So this blog post that you're referring to, like Felicia, you you detail how there are parallels between your life and this woman's life who's in, incarcerated for murder mm-hmm. and like the path. And you talk about the different chances that you were given. So can you um, share for us the, you talk in the blog about this moment where you watched the movie and then there was this like realization deep inside of you that it could have been you kind of. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Um, I- yeah. So, okay. You guys, sacred remembering. Let's remember something. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. So I'm at home. It's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm flipping through Facebook. And so if you know anything about me, you know, I'm a huge hip hop head and you got another song, New York by Alicia Keys, Jay-Z. Big song, right? Mm. So they're performing this at this big stadium in New York and this young girl pops up on stage and wrecks their performance in real life. This actually happens. Okay. And because of hip hop cancel culture, she was basically canceled. Like she basically, it messed up her career in a lot of ways. And so I was watching the breakfast club. Um, and so she was on there a couple years ago saying, well, I've, you know, I really hate that I did that to Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. I feel really bad. Um, I'm just trying to like reintroduce myself in the world. I was young and now I'm an adult and I know better now. Mm -hmm. And I've really been like learning acting. I've been taking these classes and I'm going to be in this movie. And so Charlamagne made her cry on the show. And so I was like, I'm going to check out her movie. So it was a pity checkout that I was going to do. Okay. Okay. And so I was flipping through Facebook and I was like, this is that movie. And this movie happens to be on Facebook for free. You can watch the whole thing. Okay. And so I'm watching it on Facebook and I'm at home alone. I'm in my bed. I live in the woods. My husband's at work. It's dark. 
Mm-hmm. I am freaking out because this movie has snatched every edge of me mm-hmm. for so many reasons. Um, the first reason was the director, Tasha Smith, um, is a famous actor and actress in the Black community. And she has played in a lot of Tyler Perry stuff. So she's re- really popular. And this was her directorial debut. So I'm watching it because I want to support her. I'm watching it because I want to see what's going to happen with Lil Mama and like what her experience was after this Jay-Z Alicia Keys incident. Mm-hmm. And so it just snatched my edges. Well, it was in Atlanta, which is my favorite place. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the scenes and the streets and the things that they talked about, I just knew about from that process. And then I started looking at the years and the timeline and I started thinking like, wow, our timelines are similar. Where where she, you know, learned to be a stripper, I learned the value of art and community mm-hmm. in the same spaces. And I'm like, we had to have run into each other because my my process wasn't linear and perfect. You know, I've been to strip mm-hmm. clubs, I've dealt with the wrong people, like, you know, and so I just I felt connected to her story. And the biggest piece of it was, I feel like the story never talked about the hurt and pain of being abandoned by the baby's father. Thank it's you. like they skip over it. And then like midway through the movie, like you hear nothing else about the child again. Like, and so it felt like that was a big part of the story that was missing. Mm-hmm. A big part of the pain. And I realized that we never talk about the fathers that leave, hmm. right? Like I felt like, you know, during the last 18 years of raising my son, like people have said to me, didn't you know better than to lay down with somebody who wasn't going to do blah, blah, blah. Like they don't blame his mother. They don't blame him. They don't blame his lineage. Like they blame me. I am solely responsible for picking the wrong person. Yeah. He gets no blame for like not being right. the right person. And so this process of like writing this essay, I think it took me like a year. Um, I worked on it with um, a really famous editor. Um, I don't say she's really famous, but she's a really top great, great editor. She writes for um, Writer's Digest um, and her book is a bestseller. And and we worked on it and she said, it's done. And I was like, nope, not done yet. Um, (laughs) And so um, I think it's really fitting to be, coming out with the courage principle, the book, and then having like this courageous moment. But I put it on my personal blog because it's very personal. It's very vulnerable. Um, most people see my husband and my son and me and they think, oh, they're the perfect little family. Like most mm-hmm. people don't know any of this about me. And mm-hmm. so it just, it felt right to share. Yeah. Um, and it felt authentic to the process of courage, right? Do I have the courage to say, Like I had a child with someone who didn't want a child and, you know, we were all just taking chances here and like, this is how my chances laid out. Here's how Felicia chances were laid out. Yeah. Right. Thank you. So courageous to write that blog. And I thank you for sharing how the timing is lining up because yeah. So you're releasing the courage principle ebook right now and mm-hmm. you know, like and you're taking this courageous stand in your life and so and modeling that courage of right. your personal story you know it's imperfect but i show up to my process and that's the courage and it's interesting cuz it wasn't a marketing strategy it oh, of wasn't course. like 
oh, I'm going to finish this essay. Like, I've been working on this essay, I think, since 2017. Yeah. And um, I finished it about a month ago. And Erica, who does all of my graphics, she was like, it is so good. We need to make it like a graphic novel. And so if you look at the design work, it took her about a month to lay it out. And so that's how it ended up being in sync. So it it Mm -hmm. was definitely divine and sacred timing and not like planned. Right. Right. Divine timing. Yeah. So, and that's how you know that you've arrived in a place. And I think you and I, our process right now, so we met in a mastermind in Asheville of brave women who were all carrying fear, of course. And um, last Friday, we shared on a panel some of our process. And so we're, we're all kind of coming to this conclusion or culmination of this mastermind and um, coming to one of those places of okay. like, oh, this is aligning. This is aligning yes. now. Yeah. 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 So I'm wondering if you would be willing to share some of the process of being in this mastermind that we were in together, some of the mm-hmm. personal process that you went through as a female leader and writing this ebook. And, you know, we can, <laughs> we can share this experience of this next conversation as much as you want, because, yeah. you know, where we, we shared a lot of the experience of um, moving through some of these. <laughs> in other words, y'all, we cried together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We were, yeah, yeah. And so I would love to talk more about that, whichever direction you want to take it and to hear about your process of, of the courage principle that was going on within you at the same time that this work was coming and evolving into the world. So I think the biggest thing for me, like the first piece of it was like this imposter syndrome because I'm sitting there and I just happen to be the only woman of color at the table. Yeah. And I'm sitting next to all of these women and it's like, you know them, but you really don't know them. So every meeting, there's another layer of like how fantastic they are and like how they are moving through their own process. And so I went through a time of like, should I be at this table? Like, am I at this table for pity? Am I at this table for process? Am I at this table uh, because there's no other woman of color interested, like, like, how did I end up at this table? So that was one thing that I self did. This was not something that the women put on me because they were super supportive. It wasn't, it was my own internalized racism, my own internalized fears about race, about identity, about value. Like I had to go through that process. And so First, we went through that process. And then the second piece of this process to me was like, okay, so I belong at this table. Now, how do I become a benefit for everyone who's sitting with me? Um, And having the courage to share my knowledge and my expertise and my thoughts um, in a way next to like all of these phenomenal women. And it wasn't, it was like, you know, what was interesting was it wasn't all internal because like I would walk, wait, like I went out somewhere and somebody's like, I saw you with Sarah Benoit, like, oh, your career must really be taking off. And Sarah and I have been friends for years. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she's been to my house to eat. My family loves her. My son loves her. My husband loves her. Like, but it still was like affecting the psyche. Right. Mm -hmm. So like. I couldn't be successful on my own. And so 
like I internalized that. So the, the next part of that was like shutting, like number one, like, do I belong at this table? Number two, how do I get other people to benefit from being at the table with me? And then that third part was how do I make this process sacred for me and my friends? Right. How do I shut out the outside noise? The people who voices um, don't matter as much. And so that to me was like the hardest part of the process. Mm. The last um, part, how do I shut out other people's voices? Like the, those three, those three, oh, those three, the yeah, those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the girls from the mastermind, like said, I was going to wear my shirt today, but it had a stain on it. And I was like, a stain, what does she mean by stain? Like I went, I mean, she probably just wastes like some food on it, but I was like, in my mental like what does she mean does she mean my brain my brain is that like crazy negative Mm -hmm. self-talk yeah yeah Yeah. and and so then there was this day where that all came out where I think it might have been like that stain on the shirt day and we were sitting in this like horseshoe shape of tables and and it was like (laughs) Uh, you're afraid you, you think you're an imposter. Oh, me too. You know? And there was this, um, I mean, I I was going through a dark night of the soul when the leader of this mastermind asked me to join the mastermind. And I had so much like who me going on, you know, this absolute imposter, but putting myself in that, like saying, yeah, being recognized one, Mm -hmm. um, and and I wasn't looking at myself like you were looking at me. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm the imposter at this table. That's what I yeah. was like. Everybody else has it more together than I do. Um, and and I'm going to show up anyway. And so one of the beautiful things that I remember is when we decided to do that as women, because we're all entrepreneurs, we are badasses. Like we we are bringing beautiful um, original blessings to the world. You know. Um, so when we owned it with one another that day, there was the, the, that's when there were the tears and that's when there was like the, um, I don't know if I belong here. And then after that, we all looked around and we were like, oh, I belong here at this table. Everyone else is scared. And that's the beauty of this the, the women's mastermind and the women doing this courageous thing together. We all had our brands and what we were standing for, but then we all got to see that like, yes, we're simultaneously scared. And I think the courage started to be reflected as well. Like I think one of the interesting things that most people don't get is like, you cannot be courageous unless there's fear there. And so the fear is what brought the courageous leadership out. So it's like, you have to have a fear. Fear is the core ingredient to courage. And absolutely. Don't you think that if each of us had been through this section of our lives independently, we would have let that fear slow us down all the more? I don't know. I don't know. I think it depends on your relationship with fear and understanding that it was a process. Yeah. But I will tell you, it was so much easier being in a group. Right. Because I still had to go home and like face these demons by myself. Right. Yeah. It felt good to look up, you know, and we're recording the actual view. And it's the first like I've, you know, let go of the my co-executive producer and I've taken ownership of the show and to look up and see 
Amber, you and Sarah standing next to me, that was like priceless, right? Hey, it's Sarah. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Aisha Adams. Right here, we're talking about this concept of a mastermind and how powerful it is to be in this portal with other women, all doing what we came to do, all uplifting one another. I want to invite you to take a serious look at the Women's Sacred Truth Mastermind that I'm forming for January of 2020. It's a six-month journey into deeply and wholeheartedly owning yourself and your truth as a woman, and we do this together. If you're tired of second-guessing yourself, tired of deferring, tired of not knowing why you're really here, but trusting that there's more. And this is the really important part. If you're simply not willing to tolerate putting yourself off another year, especially when this is 2020, then go right now to sarahpoet.com and schedule a call with me or just sign up. I have a big vision for this. I hold sacred space. Everything I do is trauma informed. And I believe in you. I believe in us as women remembering and activating together. Don't wait another day and please don't put yourself off another year. SarahPoet.com. Okay. Now back to this wonderful conversation with Aisha. And so having you along the way has been really critical, right? And understanding the value of relationship. Yeah. Right. That's deeper than friendship or different than like deep relationship. I'm sure every day that I came up to the table, I wasn't my best. You weren't your best, you know, um, you know, but showing up for each other consistently has been powerful, super powerful. Yeah. That reminder, too, that we get to be real first. Like we get to be real women. And I think that's the point I was trying to make earlier is that when we were sitting around the table, like we were going about the business of creating these like brands and the eBooks and the things that we had set out to do. But once we broke the, um, that silence about the fear and the silence about the imposter syndrome, and we broke that together then it was like, we were all going to do everything we set out to do. And the work is our own, truly. Like I got to wrestle with my soul and my shadow parts and that dark night that I was coming up out of and like all that at home, like you said. And then we also know that there are these other women in the group that are doing the same thing. And, and we're just like reflecting it to each other. The energies right. of that are like magical. Right. Like I, I love, it was such a great experience for me Yeah, me to too. be in community with other women. Yeah. Yeah. It's really changed. I mean, it's changed so much about how I'm approaching my work with women, like my business, you know, and, and my own, um, yeah, like courage to step in. This podcast came out of that time. Right. And I think for me, when it was time to sit down and say like, okay, so what's your thought leadership here? I mean, clearly people know I have a heart for equity. Yeah. But what if you have a heart for like hungry people or like, what if you have a heart for the children? I want people to stand on their core values and push forward and use their courage as the core ingredient to how they fight the fear and how they show up in the world. 
Yeah. Can you just speak to those core values? Because I've heard you speak to that before in trainings. Um, How are core values related to courage? So at the end of the day, you know, courage is about feeling the fear and then acting. How do you have the will to act within fear? You have to be grounded in the work you're doing. You have to believe it from your core. It has to be that motivating factor that drives you. It has to be what you want your legacy to stand on. So when I stand up in a room and I speak and I say something that I know is courageous and not always heard and not always um, accepted, I have to believe more in what I have to say and the outcome of it than the fear. Right. Yeah. The secret part. I feel like the core value is where, where the courage comes from. Right. I believe this. I'm sure about this and I'm ready to push it forward. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stand on this and it's worth being scared. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think I have one more question for you. I want you to, you know, expand, uh, if you have more to say, we don't have to limit it to one question, but, um, in the, in the training that I took of yours for equity over everything, just, uh, it was a, it was a brief training. You, you spoke of the sacred and your relationship to the sacred, like right inside this training. I mean, you're talking about courage and you're talking about core values, and then you're, you're talking about sacred practices, like right up in there. And so um, I'm wondering if you could just speak to your relationship with the, the sacred within your work and within your core values. Yeah. So when I start thinking about the spiritual realm and I start thinking about, and I always look at like you and Megan as like the sacred keepers, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> then there are the people like me who, who delve, right? Mm-hmm. So really interesting, like funny story. I was fussing at my son. I'm like, you need religion. And he was like, I don't need religion. He was like, I have community, I have family, and I have myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, so impressed the evolution of where I want to be because I still have to use my candle magic and I still have to use, you know, this tincture or this herb or this thing where he is like totally the 2.0 of that. And he's like, no, I got this. It's within me. And so it's really interesting that these, um, these sacred practices, these, this is my lifestyle. This is, how I am okay, right? Like I can sit down in a meeting in a room full of CEOs and not pass out because I did my council work this morning. I took that moment to meditate. I took a minute to take a breath. And these are things that if you would have asked me like 15 years ago, I was too busy to do. I was like not centered in that way. And now these are the way that I survive. So These are the things that were passed down from my mama and my grandmama and them. And like, this is a way of life for me. Sacred tradition and African tradition, one and the same for me. And so, you know, I've always had an altar. I've always had my candles. I've all, I mean, like always, always, always have had my meditation and my positive affirmations. And so as the Western world becomes more excited about these practices. This has been a way of life. Like just the other day, my son was like, do you remember 
you know, when I was in elementary school and I would be having, like, we would get up in the morning and you would make me say positive affirmations all the way to school. (laughs) And he's like, I still use that as a strategy in my life. Right. Well, that's a strategy that came from my mom, which probably came from her mom. Mm -hmm. So these are like what people are calling the sacred is the, to me is the daily, like this is how we survive in the wilderness of. Yeah. Of this, of this North America, yeah, world. So when you d- were skipping these practices 15 years ago, but you were still doing, you know, courageous things, um, mm-hmm. and and now, and you were saying, I can sit in a room full of CEOs because I have these practices. What was it like 15 years ago when you weren't upkeeping those practices? When when it came time to be courageous. So when you like 15 years ago, like I was a child. So my mama was using those practices to protect me. And my grandmother was using those practices to protect me. Mm. So like, I've always been in practice, even when I haven't been in practice. My grandmother used to say, baby, the Lord takes care of fools and babies. And so Mm. either I was being a fool or a baby, but I was covered, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I was covered under my mother and covered under my aunts and the the women who care for me, all those play mamas and God mamas. And, you know, I, I've, I've just been really, really lucky to be in the presence of sacred queens, mm. right? Like I went through a rites of passage as a teenager, mm. just like, you know, the whole process of like going through the process of becoming a woman in a very African way that, that happened for me. Um, I had the opportunity to sit amongst my mamas and my aunties and learn the ways of women yeah. and to learn how to be a woman. I spent time in MGT training, which is Muslim girl in training. So I've had a lot of people pour into my womanism mm-hmm. and a lot of structures pro into my womanism and a lot of systems. And so like back in the day, even though I wasn't practicing those things, those things were being practiced over me. Mm. And I was, because it's been a way of life, you know, your mom teaches how to eat right. You might eat right once a day, you know, and then you go back to your burgers and your pizzas. Right. And so, I mean, I'm sure I had some abbreviated practice. What I didn't have was the reverence for it that I have Mm. now. And what I didn't have was the command and control over those practices that I have now. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've always been on this journey. I've always been seen as a sacred woman mm-hmm. um, in my community, even amongst my peers. I've been just lucky enough for people to have that and to see that in me, even when I didn't see it in myself. Mm-hmm. So rich. Thank you. I feel like I want to listen to the last five minutes like over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you Um, for having me. My goodness. Will you please tell our listeners where they can find you online? Yes. So you can find me basically across all platforms under blogger Aisha Adams. Um, and you can find my media company to work with me at AishaAdamsMedia.com. Yeah. Um, and so there you can find everything about Equity Over Everything, the Astro View. You can find it all. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Aisha, for being here. Thank you. Amazing conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited 
about this podcast and the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just, you're doing such great work and thank you for keeping it level. I'm always like telling my husband, chew on this from one of your lives. Like we're mm-hmm. always going back and we're watching it as a couple and talking about all things. And mm-hmm. I, so I appreciate how spirit is moving through you. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Mm, okay. Till next time. All right. Peace. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.